coming up next on Thriving in Recovery. In high school, you know, in a band, like some guy, I was in like guitar class and this friend of mine asked me to uh, play guitar in his band because I was always like showing off in high school, like playing like the hardest stuff ever on guitar to try and like be cool. And this guy asked me to be in his like metal band that he was starting and he had written all the songs for it. And like his dad was in music, so he had recorded everything at his house. He had a home studio and basically did all of these demos like completely by himself, which they sounded to me at the time. I was like, this sounds really good. Like I was like impressed. And so he started showing me, you know, a little bit of like how to, how to like produce and then gave me his copy of his software logic at the time. And I started learning logic on my own, like in my bedroom and I got very immersed. Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Thriving in Recovery, the podcast that celebrates resilience, community, and the journey to self-improvement. I'm your host, Bryce, joined alongside my co-host, Justin. Today, we are joined by a dear friend of mine, John Sprott. John is a musician who is extremely talented, and his musical ability is only outshined by his incredible humanity. John embodies the essence of thriving and recovery. He's turned his passion for music into a healing force. He, uh, he has a project called Cinema Kid. Go check him out on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get music. Um, I really love this guy. He has you know, gotten close with my wife Kayla and I over the past year. And his, his wife Sam is an amazing person and she's going to be a future guest on the podcast as well. Buckle up because this episode is going to be a soulful ride. Have a good one. John Sprott, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, Thanks glad to have you me. here, brother. Yeah, this is cool. What a crazy setup. Yeah, dude, it's Love it's it. fun. Um, let's jump right in, dude. So give us uh, give us a little bit of background. Um, explain maybe explain kind of how our friendship has evolved over the, the last couple of months and and. Mm-hmm. How that plays into your journey to Colorado? Okay, well, I mean, um, I mean, my I, my background is I moved to Denver for music. Music is my background, and uh, obviously, I met you through Willie. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, like, you want like the full story? Like, from, yeah, give us a little, back. give us a little background about like your 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 history with addiction and sure, sure, alcohol sure. abuse, and kind of how that led to. Maybe you meeting with Sam, your right, soon-to-be yeah. wife. Yeah. Congrats. So that, thanks. And um, yeah, and just kind of the trajectory of kind of what you led you to to this point today. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, it's it's a it's a long. Story. I feel like my story is a little bit different than the average um, like recovery story in the sense that I, I had a problem with you know I had a problem with drinking, which is actually very uncommon. I feel like usually it's like some you know heroin or coke or something like that usually brings people down and mine was like purely drinking so when i was going into like the rooms of aa and stuff like it i felt very much like am i like really i like it it's funny because it is actually about alcohol right (laughs) but i like didn't feel like i was like qualified to be there or something um but uh yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I got a, a DUI when I was younger, and that's kind of how I found out about Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, for, you know, I had to go to, you know, court ordered stuff um, 
like a bunch of meetings and like, I just like, didn't really listen. I was just like, my addiction was not there yet. Like mm -hmm. it was definitely not fully developed. And then like, you know, I just didn't really relate to anybody there and I wasn't listening and that wasn't really a, a part of, I don't know. I just didn't feel like my path. And, uh, later going into, it was really like a personal decision. And unfortunately I had met people in my life that had been sober. That is like my saving grace, because if I didn't know people that were sober and I didn't know like other people in recovery, like, I don't know how I would have ever like come to the decision. To, I, I, it would have been hard to do it on my, right. on my own to just like walk into one of those rooms or like those ask for help. Um, well, Will, William Black, he's like one of my best friends. And, and, uh, we met in school going to music school and, uh, he had just gotten sober when we went to music school, like a month or two before. Like he was fresh sober. I think he was living in sober living uh, while he was going to school. And he told me that, that he was completely sober, no drinking, nothing. And I, I thought he was crazy because he was 19. Right. And I was like, well, how can you already be done when you haven't even really started? You know, like, I mean but he had a big time, <laughs> but, um, it just was, it seemed crazy to me that he was getting sober before he even turned 21, which is the same with Sam. Sam also, my fiance, Sam got sober when she was 19 as well. Um, and that's just, it was really inspiring to me that this like 19 year old kid made this decision to like really get his shit together and and meanwhile my like he his life was like on an upwards trajectory and mine was like going down you know and it was kind of like watching him like get better at things and like progress in life and and um and meet other people in recovery that were powerful people and just kind of he it seemed like something was working in his favor and like everything in my life was like not good at that time and so he was kind of like a beacon of like um what things could be like uh if i had like decided to make that decision someday and meanwhile like while we're our friendship is sort of like blossoming like i'm drinking myself to death every night you know and like asking him like i might have a problem i don't really know and he was like I can't really be the one to tell you if you yeah, do, man. you know? So, um, yeah, it took me, I mean, I met Will in 2013, I think, and I didn't get sober till 2017. So like my alcoholism had like ramped up and up and up and I tried all kinds of different ways to control it. Um, you know, switching things up and trying wine and, you know, all the stuff that's like, that everybody knows about, right. you know, like setting time periods, <laughs> just like, you know, pure, just like drug addict behavior, like trying to manage it. Cause you really don't want to ever not do it, you know? And then there was just one day where I was picking, like, I'm going to be sober for the next two months because I feel terrible. And I think like that will clean me up a little bit. And it was like that night that I decided that I was going to take a little break. I was like, how many of these breaks are you going to take? Like, how often are you going to keep doing this? Like, cause you, I'd already done that a million times. I already taken a bunch of breaks from it and then went right back into my like whole cycle. Like it was like this same thing. And it was very much like, I like didn't even feel in control of it. You know, like when they talk about like powerlessness, like that was 100% me. I had no problem with that. When I got sober, I was like, 
I'm totally powerless. Right. I, I agree with you. <laughs> like I had already tried to get my power back and it was just like not possible. So yeah, I mean, I called Will in the morning because I like didn't sleep all night. I was like having panic attacks and like heart palpitations and shakes and like all kinds of stuff. And I was like freaking out all night long, didn't get any sleep. And I called him at like eight o'clock in the morning and he just, he was like, go to a meeting with me. And so I went to a meeting and then ever since then I've been sober. I didn't go to like rehab or sober living or anything. Like I kind of toughed it out. I actually went to Vegas that weekend that's hilarious with will and willie a bunch of sober people which like i don't know how i would have gone through vegas without like a good grip of it like, helps to have people. yeah exactly it helps like i was certainly doing great but i was like this wouldn't be possible without these people so like to me getting sober like it there's all kinds of things that like help people like obviously you know sober livings and rehab and aa and fitness and all kinds of stuff that like help people but to me like the one crucial thing was just like other people that were so community dude yeah that's the thing right like they talk about connection the mm -hmm. antidote to addiction is connection and that's like yeah. you're a true testament of that that's fucking mm -hmm. sick yeah so what, what was going thing. through your head like on that vegas trip so you're like a few days in like yeah tell me like what your thoughts were on that trip i mean it was a little so i think was Will DJing at Omnia? Either Will was DJing at Omnia. I know Elenium was DJing at Omnia. I can't. I think Will was maybe opening for him. And like those nights go late, super. You know? And I'm used to being up late. I used to drink all night long, but it was like 11:30 or something, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how do people like stay up all night sober? Like, I need to get like fired up. Hence the reason I go to bed at 9:30. Right, yeah. dude. It's gotten earlier, you know, like. I have like periods of time where I still stay up really late, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. I just get tired so right. much earlier, but it's, it's, it's such a more like, I don't know. It's part of like the managing your life. Like the unmanageability is like staying up ridiculously late and then mm. sleeping through like the rest of the world doing their thing. Like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm much more like locked in with my life when I'm like actually getting to bed on time. So, totally. But, but in Vegas in general, it was like, it wasn't as hard as I expected it to be. I mean, everybody's drinking and all that. But like I said, the whole weekend, I'm with a bunch of sober people. Like I, I might've been having a tough time internally, but I wasn't like going to go drink while I'm with these people. Right. Cause that would just be like, it was more so like embarrassment or shame that right. would keep me from doing it at that time. And I feel like in the first few months of sobriety, like it really was that kind of accountability and like not wanting to be like embarrassed or like weak or something like that, that kept me sober. And then I realized that's not going to be what keeps me sober forever. Like there's much more like spiritual and like ethical work that I have to do on myself to keep me sober going forward. But like those first critical first few months are super critical to have those people. Did you know and, Sam at that point or when did you no, know Sam? So I met Sam in, I was, 2019 so i met her i had i almost had two years sober when i met her and i i met her because she was she used to chair this meeting in woodland hills and one of her friends asked me to come lead it um and i didn't know sam and she actually wasn't even at the meeting <laughs> she like had something to do i don't know she didn't even hear my, my uh my lead but um she came to dinner after i think she was at work or something she came to dinner after and she like sat across from me at the dinner and we didn't really talk, to be honest. Like, we were kind of, I mean, here and there. Right. But um, I don't know. But when there's, like, a big group of people, I'm, like, more of a quiet person. Like, I kind of, like, listen much more than I, like, 
talk so i you know we didn't really talk that much but like later i dm'd her and... <laughs> oh that's good shit but uh but yeah i mean like we you know we went on some days or whatever and then we used to go to this like friday night meeting all the time and we had like our regular meetings and then COVID happened and we kind of like we went to zoom and and all that but uh things kind of definitely got like mixed up a little bit there because of covid but we used to have like a pretty regular program like in the morning we would like uh read out of this like uh daily reflections book together and just talk about it was very like it was the first time i had actually dated anybody in recovery it was kind of it is kind of tricky dating in recovery if somebody if you're the person you're dating is like not necessarily like an alcoholic but they're like partying all the time yeah totally because they they don't they feel that they're partying and like i really don't care like do whatever you want to do but they just there's like this like level of like disconnectedness 100 percent. and like that was kind of hard i dealt with that a bit before i met sam but um but yeah i was like i think i just want to date someone that either doesn't really drink like right. ever or is just like sober like in, in recovery yeah, makes, so i can relate to that yeah totally man yeah. i feel you i, I want to go back to kind of that that night before you had called will in the mm -hmm. morning and so like run me through i mean you kind of touched on you know the the idea of like quitting and then mm -hmm. getting back into it and then quitting like what was what were you thinking about like that night like what was the the thoughts going through your head and like yeah i mean it, it was like i said i had had all these periods of i knew what i was doing was like really wrong i think my where my thinking went wrong was i i did drugs over the years and ecstasy and acid and shrooms and all the like you know party drugs and whatever but i always knew that that was kind of like you're not supposed to be doing those things all the time you know like that's like kind of a given and i think like like my dad was an alcoholic my brother was an alcoholic my two uncles and my uh on my mom's side were alcoholics and people were always drinking all the time so like it didn't seem weird to me to be drinking all the time because it was, it is so normalized in our like culture. Right. Um, I mean, still it's like everywhere you go, there's like, would you like a drink with whatever you're doing? It's like, totally. it's crazy. So like, it doesn't seem, it didn't seem weird to me to be like drinking all the time because it's just something that everybody does. Right. Um, but what I was doing was very not normal because I was drinking like eight to 10 beers every night like by myself that's not what people are out there doing they're going to bars and stuff with their friends and or like having a drink or two or whatever like that's it's completely different so i had to figure that out for myself that like what i was doing was definitely not normal um but it just took me a while to sort of essentially surrender to that fact because i always thought that i could like regain control over it through like periods of sobriety um like i there was a, a before like probably six months before i got sober i was like i'm gonna take a year off of drinking i'm gonna try i'm gonna try a full year of sobriety and like see how it goes um and i got like a month and a half in and i was actually playing a show out here in denver um and i showed up to play the show and when you're playing uh music like it's always to me at least personally it's much harder to play a show when there's like you know 20 people in a 2000 person room than if there's 2000 people in a 2000 person like when it's full it's a vibe right. like it's so much fun yeah you know when you're playing to like not that many people in a room it's like all the insecurities all the self-doubt and like 
you just start to kind of like, you're like, what am I doing? You know, how am I going to get through this? And uh, that night that I was um, supposed to play the show, there just wasn't that many people there. And I started to feel like, like I was worthless and all this stuff. And I just started drinking. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know how I'm going to like get through this set without like just hating myself. So I just drank to have fun, you know? And then the cycle kind of started again when I was just drinking every night. I'm like, Oh, I'm not doing the year sober thing anymore. Cause I already drank. So like, I just started continuing to drink again every night. And then it was like, okay, I need to like stop doing that. And it's like, I did that so many times in like different forms where it was like a couple of months or maybe a year or whatever. And yeah, it was like that night I, I, the night that I got sober the night before that I drank so much. Like I used to live right next to a liquor store, which was an issue because I could just walk there. Right. Like I drink whatever I bought and then I'd go walk back. (laughs) And, and, oh, actually, no, there was two liquor stores. There was one across the street and I would usually go to each of them. So that I wasn't like embarrassed. (laughs) Funny side note about that is this guy, this guy was so used to seeing me and like, I lived in the building with my manager and his girlfriend. And then my buddy's hall lived across the street. So it was like on the same block was like all of our friends. And I went with tall to like the liquor store a few months after i had gotten sober they were just getting like chips or something and the liquor store guy was like hey it's been a while where where have you been and i looked at tall and i was like i told you dude like nobody knew that i was drinking that much like it was very like secretive you know and it was just this kind of like embarrassing moment but yeah so like i was I knew what I was doing was wrong. Like I was saying, I was going to this liquor store and then going to a different one so that I didn't have to interact with the same guy because I didn't want him to be judging me, Right. you know? Um, and so I drank a bunch the night before and was so incredibly hung around me. My stomach, my stomach was always hurting. That was like another big part of it was like, I, this is really bad for my body. Like straight up is plain and simple. Like my stomach is hurting all the time my heart is like beating weird i feel like everywhere i don't feel good you know and um so like that was a big determining factor for sure but that day i was so hung over all day long i didn't do anything like it was just like a complete waste of a day for no reason like it's not like i was out partying with friends like i was just drinking in my room like alone just making music or whatever and um I just, I was like, okay, I need like another break because like, I feel terrible and like physically speaking, emotionally, sure. Like emotions, you know, whatever. Like I, of course I was like down on myself and all that, but, but like physically speaking, I need to take a break. And I was laying in bed trying to go to bed at like a reasonable hour. Cause I think I went to bed at like 5am the night before. And I was like shaking heart beating like i just i knew what was going on it was like i i had toyed with this idea that i was like an alcoholic and couldn't control my drinking for long enough at that point it had been like years of me doing that and years of me like googling what an alcoholic is while i'm shit-faced and like just trying to understand what it is and like why i couldn't get control over it like i always was like why can't they just chill on it you know, and I was like, that's me. I can't chill on it. I don't know why, but I just can't. Like once I start, I can't stop. And um, yeah, I just, I surrendered to the fact that that was the case. And I was like, this might be the best decision that I make for my life. 
Like as much as I'm, I feel like I'm going to hate it, as much as I feel like I'm going to be like a boring person or like nothing's fun anymore and all that's like, like bullshit that you make up. I think that this is probably just the right decision for my future. And I was like, I think I just got to do this. Like I got to like, you just commit I got to be honest about yeah. it, you know? And I really didn't want to do it, but, um, yeah, it's, for a while, I because I was always kind of drinking in my room by myself, and, and I, I decided to, like, replace that with something to, like, try and get me out of what my, my, like, break the routine a little bit, you know? And I used to just walk down Ventura Boulevard in Sherman Oaks, and I would walk really far on purpose so that it would take me forever to, like, walk all the way back, you know? And I would just listen to, like, one or two albums so I'd start walking and I'd walk like a few miles down Ventura Boulevard and then I'd have to walk back and that would take me a while. And that kind of like cut up that time. And by the time I got back, I was so tired that I just passed out, you know? <laughs> so I like kind of managed it that way for a bit, like managed that sort of like irritability or whatever. That's interesting. That's, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's the first time I've kind of heard that. Like that's yeah. a unique approach, you know? know that you're like pushing yourself to where it's like hey i gotta do this i'm gonna do this i'm just gonna get through one album mm. and i'm gonna be super far mm. and then i'm gonna head back and yeah. gives you time to kind of like process and think and then by the time you get there you're like you know i think the thing is is like you let time pass mm -hmm. so many times like especially in our addictions like we're so fucking impulsive yeah and so that's cool you kind of like created your own way to like separate yourself from like reacting right you got to yeah respond. yeah yeah i mean i could have at any moment i suppose like called an uber right or something but like it was this idea that like i'm i'm still like actively doing something right now that if i were to like make the decision to like go get a drink or something it would be like a little bit of a hassle right so like just that little bit of like a hassle kept, kept me from yeah. doing it you know like if i'm gonna like walk all the way back from the store i'm obviously not gonna like walk a mile and a half with like a six pack under my <laughs> like i'll get there you know so i don't know I, I, did, I did all kinds of like weird things in the evenings to try and like essentially replace that that like habit like there i was like addicted to cold stone ice cream for a while <laughs> that's a good addiction um nice like, man fitness and all kinds of stuff what do you okay so this was 2017, you said. Mm -hmm. um, what has been like the biggest transformation for you from 2017 until now? Um, Personally, I mean, like recovery related or not? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, financially, I've seen a big improvement because I'm not wasting a ton of my money. Um, and I'm actually like much more on top of my, like, my career. Um as a composer, like I, I sort of got this gig writing music for TV. Um, right yeah, talk I, about that. Go right when I started, uh, right when I started school, uh, it was a really weird godshot. I mean, I had been putting out music as like a electronic DJ producer for a while. I had some songs that were like, there's this website called Beatport that was really popular yeah. back in the day. I oh, had yeah. some like charting songs on Beatport, so like some people kind of knew who I was, and um, uh, this guy tall uh hit me up out of the blue because he heard my songs on beatport and it turned out we live in the same town 
and he kind of just wanted to work on music together initially because he liked the same stuff that I did. And uh, he ended up getting a job at um, a music library company. And we weren't really friends. Like we kind of like had a studio session once, but like we were like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm such a like lone wolf sometimes when it comes to writing music. Like it's very rare that like a studio session, like um, with another producer is like, you have to like find your crew right. and people, which is funny because literally I write music with him all the time. Now. Right. <laughs> but like at the time I was very, um, I don't know, like solo dolo kind of guy. But um, anyway, he, so he got a job at this music library and he asked me if I wanted to write music for the library because there wasn't that many people doing electronic music at the time. It was like a skill set that not that many people had. Um, like in that industry, like there's plenty of like electronic producers, but not that many people that are writing it for TV at right. the time. Like it was very niche. Um, so he had a lot of work on his plate and couldn't handle it all. And I kind of tried it out and I was like, I don't think I'm really good at enough yet to do this. Like this is, it takes me way too long to do this. Like it's not really worth my time for like the amount of money that it would, that it makes for that one piece of music. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this. And then I went to school um, in North Hollywood at uh, Icon Collective, and he he like called me up the day I started school and was like, "Hey, like I know you said like, you know, this is, it was like a year later or something. I know you said that like, you know, it's kind of a lot of work for you and stuff, but like, just wondering if you're still interested because I'm like overflowing with work right now. Like, I can't handle it all, and I need like somebody else to take on some of these these assignments." And I was like, well, I'm going to school right now for music. So like, maybe I'll be able to like figure that out with, I don't know, maybe I'll get better. <laughs> and uh, we had these like mentor sessions every week. It was once a week in school where like we had like an hour dedicated with our, um, with our mentor to like go over what we were working on at the time. So I was like, oh, okay. Like my mentor can go over these tracks that I have to write for TV. And so he, yeah, like every, every week I would like, get more and more done and get faster and better and, and all that um, to the point where I was just doing it. Like it got really fast, like because I went to school for it. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I just continued kind of doing that, but it was like really sloppy and I was kind of like behind on assignments all the time. And um I was also trying to juggle like my personal artist career at the time as well. So like the manageability of my life was just like chaos. Like whenever I had time to do it, I would do it. And it was, there was no like routine or anything. It was just like purely, and mind you, I'm like drinking the entire time I'm doing my work, <laughs> but um, I still was somehow able to like get what I needed to get done in time but yeah so like over over the past like almost six years of sobriety i've gotten like way more opportunities for bigger shows like better opportunities better spots and i've been able to like stay on top of that and like deliver everything that was needed to get done like when it was supposed to get done and um i feel like my learning aptitude and like my ability to like and just maybe general interest in like learning how to do things like skyrocketed after I got sober because I felt like 
things made much more sense and like I wasn't foggy and um, I don't know, I, I got much better at things that I never thought that I would necessarily be good at in music, like orchestral scoring with like strings and brass and woodwinds and stuff like doing all that kind of stuff. I never thought that I would actually be pretty good at that. But over the last few years, I've like dived a lot more into that world and, uh, and yeah, just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if it's because of recovery or whatever, but I, I, uh, I have this kind of mentality that's developed over the last few years that if anyone's done anything, you can, you can probably do it too. Totally, man. You know, we literally were having this conversation before we started, right before you got here, I was mm -hmm. talking with Drew, who was a past guest mm -hmm. and we, we brought up your composing and what you do. And he's like, dude, today's day and age is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like literally anyone can do whatever they want to do. Totally. Like, make a living out of it. Mm -hmm. Like however niche it is, doesn't matter. Like, yeah. so you're absolutely right, man. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Obviously, there are certain people that are going to be set up to do things from an earlier age. Right. They probably have like more time under their belt doing something. Right. Um, they're going to be better at you, maybe always, <laughs> maybe, but you might get better at them depending on your work ethic. Totally. Um, but it's like, just because this person is like this really established musician, songwriter or director or whatever doesn't mean that you can't take all the steps that are necessary to get there. Totally. And it, maybe that is something that is like just a reflection of like modern technology and, and um, the internet, honestly, I don't know if that would have been as accessible or easy like 30 years ago, right? but even 20 years ago, but like, yeah, I mean, you can learn, you can learn about, anything how to do anything there's a million instructors like i mean just even with golf like i'm oh, like yeah. i never thought that i'd be like super into golf but i'm like oh like i looked online for like golf lessons i'm watching all these tips and like yeah. getting super deep into that world which is like i don't know how like i don't know if i ever would have like believed that i could do something like that like years ago you know like it's um it's just cool to like the world is your oyster big time. You so can, sick, dude. You can figure out anything you want to do. You it's can... amazing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Justin, what do you have for us, my man? Couple couple things I wanted to circle back on with you, John. Mm -hmm. One was you talked about when you first started going to AA that you were purely drinking no drugs and heroin and all that kind of stuff. But you said that yeah. you didn't you didn't feel qualified to be an AA and I find that ironic considering um, you were, That's very what, what did you mean by that? Um, well, so when I, when I first went to AA, I was, um, I was court ordered. So first of all, I wasn't even listening. Like I wasn't really, they say in, in, in AA, a lot of the time, look for the similarities, not the differences, um, because the differences will just keep you from staying sober. And everybody is what they say, terminally unique and all those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was my experience was I went into AA and I heard craziness, you know, I heard like people being, you know, locked up in a Chinese prison and like 
homeless and like just really radical stuff. And I was like, I'm just drinking alone in my room every night. Like, I, is it that big of a deal, you know? And it doesn't really matter. It's the same disease. It's the same destructive behavior. And that could easily be me 20 years down the line. Like most of the time when I was going to AA, there was like people that were much older than me, like typically in their like fifties, sixties that had been, that had recently gotten sober after a lifelong of destruction. So me being, you know, when I first went to AA, I was 19. Like, actually, that's funny. I never even connected that. I went to AA at 19 and so did Will and Sam, but they got sober and I just didn't. <laughs> I never thought about that. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so many, so many people that I talked to in AA or in recovery were in there because um, alcohol, alcohol is like, a, I think it's a, like, a, it takes longer for it to get to you, you know? And like, Things like Coke and heroin and those like harder, um, more dangerous drugs, they'll bring you to your knees like a lot faster than maybe something like alcohol does. And obviously, you know, you can go to jail for those, for having any of those substances. So like people getting put in prison will get them to recovery faster. So I just feel like a lot of people that have found recovery have, uh, struggled with those things because they were brought to like a really a, a lower point of desperation much sooner than the average person that like could have easily abused alcohol for much longer kind of like I did like you know Sam had a problem with meth so like she got into AA pretty quickly because meth fucks you up very totally. fast Fuck yeah you know and Will's Will had a and he, Will had a drinking problem but his thing was Xanax right so like Xanax will bring you down pretty quickly as well if you're addicted to that um but alcohol is like a slow burn and it's so normalized in culture that it just didn't seem like it was all that wrong which like really bothers me but but yeah i mean i i, I obviously fit in an aa i just didn't understand the um disease of alcoholism in the same way because i saw it as like your life is out of control you're in prison, you're robbing, like, just like crazy stories that you hear from people. And, um, but it's really, it's, it, the disease like centers in your mind, right? Like you're self-destructing just because I'm not out doing like destructive things to other people in the world. Doesn't mean that I'm not like internally self-destructing and I could easily from alcohol poisoning in my bed by myself and that would be it for me so i think it just took me a while to realize that and um when i went into aa the second time i understood that it was just the first time that i kind of got exposed to it that i like i didn't relate because i felt that my life needed to be in shambles before i got there you know yeah there's a lot of wisdom in look, looking for the similarities not the differences it sounds like you were you were more focused on the differences and yeah. similarities um, because yeah. you have that uh, that uh, you know the cocaine and the heroin that bring you to your knees a lot quicker, like you had said. Mm -hmm. How 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 far into sobriety were you when you managed your irritability by walking, which I think is genius, by the way, walking a long ways and not got to turn around and walk back and 
by the mm. time I get home, I'm just going to be tired and crash out. I think that's a great way to, to get over some of the, the I'm guessing that was in, in early sobriety for you. Oh, it was like, like the next day. Okay. Like, and you know, for how long did you do that? Um, I don't know. It was, in, it was at least a few months probably. Um, I mean, it wasn't every single night. Sometimes I was out, you know, in LA, but like pretty much any night that I was spending at home by myself, like that was my thing for like a few months. And I, my, I got sober and I had a roommate. So like part of the reason that I started doing that was I, after I got sober, like a few months after I got sober, my roommate moved and I got like a one bedroom apartment. And I was like, this would be bad if I wasn't sober right now, if, like just living by myself. Cause I wouldn't have to really hide from anybody. I could just like be in my place by myself. So I like, I need to get outside of my apartment and go somewhere and do something. And, um, yeah, just like walking. Like, I don't know. I've just, I've always found like, found it really therapeutic to just like put one foot in front of the other for like, a really long time. I don't know. Like it's always been very like powerful for me for some reason. I don't really know. Well, you're talking to uh, Iron Man over there. Yeah, so he knows all about putting one foot in front of the other and the, the therapeutic effects of of what that brings. So that's crazy. I know. I we can both relate. I love walking. I love walking as well. <laughs> I uh, dropped my truck off to get some stuff done yesterday and didn't pick it up till today. And I had to be some places, so I just I just walked to the places. Love you know? that. So you yeah. Do, Ubers. Uh, fortunately it's nice here in Alaska, right? I'm in Alaska and it's, it's been, it's been really nice. What did you transition to, to manage your irritability when you stopped the walking or, or did the irritability go away or walk us through that progress? Irritability comes and goes depending on how strong your like spirituality is in my opinion. But, um, uh, I, those first few months of sobriety, I didn't, I was kind of going to AA meetings. I would go to like one a week, which I wouldn't recommend really. Like I kind of like was white knuckling it for a bit, but um, yeah, I mean those first few months I, I needed like something to do like the restlessness. So I was doing that. And then a few months in, I got a sponsor in AA and started doing step work. And I think the step work kept me busy in the sense that like I was doing like active work on myself, like internally. So I was like figuring out why I'm upset like doing the fourth step inventory, like writing resentments down and figuring out really what the root cause is and why I feel like I can't like just be myself and all that. So to me, it was once I started doing step work with a, with a sponsor, that irritability kind of, it didn't completely go away, but it, but it definitely eased up quite a bit. And I sort of broke the cycle of, like I had never gone like three or four months without drinking, you know, I think the longest period of time that I had sober, like before getting into AA was like a month and a half or something like that. So the fact that I had months away from it, like 90 days plus, it was a little bit easier to just like kind of continue my life as long as I was continuing to remember like where things could get if I decided not to do that. But I sort of broke the broke the cycle and started like a new routine of getting up early and working out and doing all these things that I felt were good for me. Um, I also read this book called the artist's way, which is really cool. And it, there's like a bunch of, you know, writing that you have to do in that. And, and there's a lot of self-discovery in that. Um, I think a lot of times that yeah. maybe a root cause of my alcoholism 
might have just been that I didn't really understand myself all that well. And I didn't uh, have that like self-confidence that I, that I really wanted. And so sort of doing step work and all this self-discovery stuff helped me manage those emotions and sort of kept me like moving forward in my life as opposed to like wondering like, you know, what my next step is and whatever. I just kind of kept going. I had like a, a guiding, a guiding light, I suppose. And how do you manage your recovery today in 2023? Um, well, it's interesting because my sobriety kind of got uh, a little off track for a bit. Not that I, I didn't, um, like I stayed sober, but I didn't really go to that many meetings or anything and uh, didn't have a sponsor for a long time. And I just kind of wasn't doing a whole lot of um, step work, which to me when I got sober was kind of my solution for like the irritability and the discontentness and all that. So um, when we moved to Denver, I was kind of adamant about like, okay, like I'm going to get like my recovery back in shape once I get there. So to me, that to me, that means I'm going to meetings and getting a sponsor and talking to other people in recovery, the, just expanding the community more kind of like what we were talking about when I first got sober, just having that community of people uh, that are sober. I just needed to like kind of expand on that out here as well. Unfortunately, like knowing Willie, um, you know, Willie knows a bunch of people in recovery. So it was very easy to like meet Bryce and, and just get reconnected with people that are sober and, and in recovery out here. So, um, yeah, I mean, lately it's, it's been sort of doing step work again. I'm running through my steps again with a new sponsor and it's just awesome. Like it's a very different experience than, than the way I did it in the beginning because I like didn't really understand myself as much back then. And there's so much more detail about like how I feel about things nowadays than, than there was when I first got sober. So it's like, you know, as they say, like a daily reprieve, like you're, you're going to have to continue to work on yourself. Like that will probably never end, you know, but, um, as long as you're like act actively seeking to, um, better yourself, then I think you're in a good position in general, especially in recovery. Yeah, congrats on going through the steps again. They say that uh, no man steps in the same river twice because the river is different, and so is the man. So, right. it's uh, yeah. there's always there's always another another level in life. Um, mm -hmm. it might be with the steps or being in love and and or any anything. And uh, congratulations mm -hmm. on being engaged. That's exciting. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a lot. It's a lot to it's a lot to look forward to. Um, but yeah, like the wedding planning and stuff is like kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, is Sam still heavily involved with AA? Yeah, she is. She's um she's like a bit more involved than I am. Um she has like multiple sponsees and and uh she still has her sponsor back in LA. She's kind of like wanted to get one out here, but she hasn't really met someone that she wanted to kind of switch over to, but but yeah, she has her like women's meetings and stuff and and um yeah she's still very very active in recovery as well she's awesome too dude like you, you'll meet her she'll be a guest on the show soon um you'll meet her actually when you come out here justin in a couple of weeks nice. but we're just super fortunate to just have like such a dope group of friends and such a good community out here of people who are invested in recovery like in their own unique ways but mm -hmm. also you know they kind of they kind of bring 
some of their their um I mean, I don't know if you know this, Justin, but like LA is a huge, huge, huge like recovery scene, huge um, AA scene. And so it's nice to have like friends who have moved from LA to Denver who come from that space because, you know, as you've heard my story and people on this podcast have heard my story, but like I'm not a 12 step guy, Mm -hmm. wasn't really into AA or any of that stuff. And so like being able to build community and learn from some of the same experiences that you guys had on your path to recovery has been super helpful. So I'm excited for you to meet her when she comes out here. You're going to love her. She's great. She's great. Yeah, she's her. awesome. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. I'm not very tied into the recovery community here, although we do lots of work um, kind of adjacent to it. So yeah, I'm excited to get uh, immersed in your world, Bryce, here at the end of the month. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. Well, Being that this is called Thriving in Recovery, um, I've been super intrigued to learn about music, learn about Mm. composition and production. And you've taught me a little bit and just shared some stories. So I kind of want to talk on that a little bit, like how has that played a role? Um, Not even necessarily in in recovery, but just in like thriving in life. Like I know you've been doing it for a long time. You went to school. Mm. It's been a career path of yours. Give us some uh, some background and history on like how you got started in music and kind of how it's proliferated into what it is today. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, music has been like my life since I was very young. Like my um, my mom always said she got me piano lessons because like we had she had a piano in the house and i sat down at the piano and most kids kind of like bang on the piano and stuff like that and i was like like trying to play stuff like i was like trying to figure stuff out that like when i was like two or three or something so i was like trying to play the piano and she was took that as a sign that i should like just get piano lessons and i think i started taking lessons when i was like five and took lessons um till i was 15 or something like 10 years and um also picked up other instruments like violin and cello and um i got into guitar when i was like a teenager like playing in rock bands and stuff and i I was playing the bass i tried to learn drums for a bit but like this is a different world and my parents didn't want me to practice drums it's too loud (laughs) um so but uh but yeah so i was um my mom really was the like i don't know she was she was the one that pushed me into that big time and um i didn't really necessarily love music that much um because most of music to me at the time was kind of just playing like playing this song like you play this piece of music playing bach and beethoven and learning how to sight read and like playing very classical pieces and stuff like that. And when I was like 11 or 12, I started learning how to write my own stuff and kind of basing it on all the stuff that I played before. Um, I like started writing different pieces for the piano um, when I was 11. And then uh, in high school, you know, in a band, like some guy, I was in like guitar class and this friend of mine asked me to, uh, play guitar in his band because i was always like showing off in high school like playing like the hardest stuff ever on guitar to try and like be cool and uh this guy asked me to be in his like metal band that he was starting and he had written all the songs for it and like his dad was in music so 
he had recorded everything at his house. He had a home studio and basically did all of these demos like completely by himself, um, which they sounded to me at the time. I was like, this sounds really good. Like I was like impressed. And so he started showing me, you know, a little bit of like how to, how to like produce and then gave me his copy of his software logic at the time. And I started learning logic on my own, like in my bedroom. And I got very immersed in like producing. And then I start, discovered electronic music. I started going to like raves and stuff in LA and, um, you don't need a band. So like I can do it all by myself, which was very like cool to me. Like I, the idea of trying to like tell someone how to play something or like hoping that they play it right. Or like kind of like relying on the like collective, like agreeing on something. It was, it was like not it for me. I just wanted to do it by myself, you know, I'm like, I know what's going to be cool. Like I'm just going to do it. And so it was very appealing to me to just be like making my own records. And, um, so I started learning how to do that and actually got like somewhat successful with it at the time, like, was playing like music festivals and stuff and charting on beatboard and touring with artists and, you know, playing shows out of the country United state and stuff. And, um, it was really cool, but I just like knew that I wasn't good enough. Like I, I was, I don't know like how to get better at this. Like I'm hearing like what other people are doing and like, I just want to be better than I am. And I can't like, I don't know what the secret formula is and there's no secret formula. I found that out <laughs> and stuff. I thought there was like some sauce that people, you know, <laughs> um, but it's really just like years of work and like fine learning how to fine tune things. But, um, but yeah, so I decided to go to school to like better my, my like skill set, and having done it for a while already, like by the time I went to school, I'd already been producing for like five years. So I kind of knew what was up like a little bit, but like there was all kinds of stuff that I was missing because I was self-taught. Like I was like, oh yeah, I never really understood what that thing did. And they like, you know, so I was like filling in the gaps of all the information that I missed over the years and things like clicked very easily. Um, in school was so much fun. I met like, there's like, um, just being in a, a room full of other like music musicians that are actively pursuing the same thing um was dope to me oh, I, bet, like, I loved it i yeah. was like making friends with everybody and it was just like a party like it was just a great time um so yeah so i went to school and like sort of was pushing further and further i met like my manager through a friend at school and like it just kind of like you know spiraled from there like into different areas of my life and i ended up moving to sherman oaks um and then um yeah i mean things like my, my uh my drinking got worse and worse and be making music got harder because i was like confused at like what i even was like wanting to do and um but I was doing pretty well, generally speaking, like, um, like I was playing like cool festivals and stuff and, and touring with cool artists. And I was like having a good time, but I had this like internal, like, like almost, um, what do they call it? It's like, uh, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really deserve any of this. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And that's like a very common thing in the music industry. 
Um, and it takes like a lot to kind of push past that, but people very often don't think that they know what they're doing because music is such like an enigma. Like, how do I know that like this lyric that I wrote is like cool? Right. Like I have to tell myself that it's cool in order to move forward, you know? And like, how do I know that this thing sounds right? And like, you find out that like nothing ever really feels like final like you're like i don't think i can make it better than this so i guess it's done kind of a thing like it's very um it's such a it's such a weird thing that you have to like kind of tap into a different part of your brain to like be able to finish work and to actually follow through with things because it can be like such a defeating process but um but yeah so i struggled with that process for a long time like and kind of coped with it drinking because i was like if i drink and I listen to my music, it sounds fucking rad. I'm like, yeah, this is dope. Like, I'm good at this, you know? Um, but then it was like, I'd get, I'd be sober the next day and listen to him. Like, <laughs> like, everything sounds like out of time. And it's like, I was like trying some shit, you know? Um, so I, I think in order, it was like everything that I've kind of done in my life has been like at the, in the pursuit of getting better at music. Like I wanted to go to school cause I didn't feel like I was like good enough yet. And I got much better in school. And then like, I felt like I was hitting this tipping point and that like me being like a alcoholic was like ruining what I was doing, like ruining my music. So I needed to get sober and funny enough, like I get sober and mind you, like, I, I kind of like didn't talk about this, but my mom passed away from cancer when I was 19, around the same time I got DUI. Um, so like, it was just my dad at home, like I had a brother who was an alcoholic, but he also passed away in 2016. Um, so like, he had a big um, problem with drugs and alcohol, and he ended up killing himself. And I saw myself and my brother a lot. That was like a big part of it as well. So, mind you, it's just my dad living at home at this point. I'm living in Sherman Oaks. My dad's, like, living by himself because my brother and my mom are gone. And um, about a year after I got sober, I was sort of struggling musically after I got sober because I, like, didn't have that confidence anymore that I had from drinking. So I, like, was, like, analyzing everything. Yeah. And um, kind of switched gears for a while to being, like, I want to be, like, a music producer for other people. And I want to just like make pop music or rock music or all kinds of anything, but what I'm doing right now, like this just doesn't feel right. And, um, and then my dad got sick, um, about a year after I got sober and, um, it was very like, um, serendipitous cause he got sick, like right after I got a year, like a few days after. And, um, I had to like take care of my dad and I had a few dates, um, opening up for Elenium in San Francisco and in New York. And I was tripping like the entire time that I was at those shows because like my dad was not doing well at home. Like he couldn't stand, like he was like having a really rough time. Um, so I was like, now is just like not the time to be doing this. Like I just need to be home with my dad and like help him get better. And just even aside from like helping him, I just need to be like around. You know, I just want to be around because I didn't know like what was going to happen with him. And um, so I transitioned a lot, even more so to, to writing music for TV and uh, into like producing for other artists because I could kind of do day sh sessions in LA and then anything that like, 
you know, my dad needed, I could help him with and like, I could go hang out with him and stuff. Um, but, uh, in, uh, at the beginning of COVID, my dad died, um, which was inevitable. He had, uh, uh, kidney cancer and it had like spread to his lungs and his brain. And, you know, my dad had been drinking his whole life. So he had developed some pretty like serious health problems. Um, so after my dad died, it was like, uh, like that was it for my family. You know, like my mom was gone, my brother was gone, my dad was gone. And then I was like, what the fuck did I, like, I didn't know like what to do with my life, you know? And it took me like a good chunk of time to kind of like figure out like, oh yeah, dude, you want to do music. Like, this is your thing. Like, this has been your guiding light the whole time. And um, it would be a shame if I like, decided not to do that anymore just because not to not do music, but like not to pursue like being an artist and, right. and writing my own stuff for me. And like, so, um, yeah, like a couple of years ago, it was like a year and a half, I think. Yeah. A year and a half after my dad died, um, I had decided that I was like, I'm going to do this like again. And I like kind of rebranded. I started this cinema kid project and I was like, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want, whenever. Like, it's just going to be cool. I'll make drum and bass. I'll make yeah. acoustic songs. Yeah, dude. Like, whatever. I just want to do, like, what the, like, what seems inspiring to me and just feels right, you know? And whatever that is, like, I'm sure that it'll sound cohesive because, like, I made it. So, totally. like, whatever. It's authentic. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I sort of launched... I mean, started working on that project and then Will was like, this stuff's pretty cool. Like if you could finish some of this stuff up, like I'll take you on tour. Meanwhile, Will's sobriety, he's 10 years in now. So he's like on top of the world, you yeah. know? Uh, so he's planning this whole tour and yeah, he brings me on tour with him. I was like, cool, I'll get all this stuff finished up, get it out there and let's do it. And we did this like cool um like three-piece band thing as well like i had my opening set and then our buddy tyler was playing after us and then we'd both all three of us would come on stage to play like tyler play guitar i'd play keys and was djing and we did this like three-piece band thing for a couple of months on tour and it was just like so sick epic, like so dude. much fun yeah um and also like so exhausting oh, and we were getting sick and but it was just like i don't know it was a I must have missed you because, like, I saw Tyler and Will when they came to town. Mm -hmm. Probably, well, it had to be like twenty 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 one. Okay, yeah, that that yeah, was like, a part of the tour. Yeah, yeah, that was like before the project launched. I think. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, because they were playing together. Yeah, and I was like, that was the yeah. first time I met Tyler too. Yeah, they had been, they had been doing shows kind of consistently together for like a while. Cool. Um, and that was before I had launched Cinema Kid, and I was kind of doing my own like thing with tv stuff and whatever so i hadn't really been like in the mix with them for a while but but yeah so I, you're crushing fun. dude like you're you're off to the races you're rolling dude you're yeah. doing it and it's fucking can't, amazing can't with all these different things that are happening it's like it's, it's cool, super man. cool man well it's cool to like be a witness to this and and to kind of you know we've we met each other like thanksgiving yeah yeah about thanksgiving mm -hmm. um and it's been so cool just to like 
you know, develop a friendship with you and get to learn about you and Sam and make friends with you guys and yeah. um, be a part of your journey, man. And like, I'm super fucking pumped um, for your future with Sam and for our future as friends and yeah. just continuing to go down the path, man, and continue crushing. And I think like my biggest takeaway um, and what I see kind of emanating from your being is just like your intrigue into like wanting to be the best version of yourself that you can be to keep learning as much as you can and to keep making progress, man. I think that's where we're similar too. Cause I see that a lot in you as well. Like you're, you're always trying to do the next best thing and like push forward, whether it be like in recovery or like fitness or business or whatever it is. Like, yeah, we, we have that like itch to just be like on top of it. On top, right man. Better. And yeah. Just keep, keep learning, man. There's yeah. so much to learn and there's so many cool things that you can learn from so many people. And like you brought up the internet and like, we have so much access to so much cool shit. So like, why not take advantage of like doing the best that you can and do what you love doing. So it's super cool to see you doing that. And yeah. I'm fucking stoked for you, man. And I'm glad to be your friend. Thanks, man. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah, brother. You're inspiring. Justin, you have any, any last final questions or statements? No, I think this is a good place to wrap up. I guess my statement would be thank you, uh, John, for sharing your story on our show today. And I am looking forward to meeting you and Sam here in a couple of weeks in Denver. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm stoked to stoked to meet you when you come out here. Yeah, dude, we'll all have to uh, we'll have to get together and do a, a a podcast all together. I know Justin's going to come in studio, so oh, yeah. you guys will meet in person. But um, I'm stoked, man, and I love you, man, and I appreciate you. Love you too, Riley. Cool, bro. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Cool.